RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. It's Monday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so you know what time it is. It must be Mission Log Live Time. I'm Norman Lau, your co-host for tonight, and with me, and I'm so excited that she is because it's been like a month since we've been on the air together, <laughs> Ashley B. Robinson in the co-chair. Hi, Ashley. Hello. How are you? I'm so glad to be back here with you. We had so much fun on the first show, and we were being great internet friends, and then I almost caught on fire, And but we're here now, and that's what's important. <laughs> Absolutely. And the reason why it's so exciting tonight is because since you and I are on, we have like 1,000% more lens flare tonight for this episode. Hell yes. I'm right. here for it. I defend those movies, and I enjoy that joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we do always at the very beginning of Mission Log, let's say hi to all of the listeners and all of the viewers that have come in tonight. So, number one chat post is Paul Wright Jr., because that is the OG Paul. So, hello, Paul. We have Captain Lou, all the way from Canada. And we have Scott. We have... Um, let's see. Scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Rebecca, hi. How are you? We have Evelyn here. And I keep seeing Paul post, so it's not another Paul, but I'm sure. Yes, no, there is another Paul. It's the other Paul. Multiple and Pauls. Multiple Pauls. Michael, how are you, Michael? Let's see, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. We have Carlos here. Aaron Harvey, how are you, buddy? Brian Hart. Dan, Carlos again. Michael Lou, Brian. And David Takechi. You know, Takechi is here. Dominique and so many other of our regular fans and friends. So thank you for joining us tonight. Welcome. We have a super, super, super fantastic episode. But before we get to that, I just want to make sure that everyone knows how you can chime in and get involved with the show. Make sure that you uh, call in to uh, the one tap mobile number. That's 669-900-6833 or uh, join us by just tapping on your Zoom meeting ID right there. And if you can't see it because your screen's so small, like mine is, it's 845-1711-6887. So make sure that you get your call in so that Earl can put you into the queue and then you can talk to, well, me kind of, but really you want to talk to Ashley because Ashley is, Ashley's B for Vindicta! Hell yes! <laughs> today and today only. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been going on with you? How have you been enjoying these uh, last few shows without me? I know that you oh. and John do a great job, but I've missed you terribly. I have missed you too. Uh, I've been having lots of fun with John, but I know uh, you were very fond of the episode last week. So it's kind of a bummer that the streams cross and you were here together this week instead of last week. It would have been really fun, but I've been having a blast. I have been so thankful that the show is great and it hits the Venn diagram of a lot of my taste, which is so lovely. And it's been such a blessing to come here and talk to so many cool people. I met my first Paul last week, which was a very (gasps) big watershed moment for me. So how about you? How have you and co been doing since we last spoke? Oh, uh, busy, busy, busy. Um, If people have listened to Mission Log, Log, the the recorded show, a lot of people know that um, I'm in between um, two states right now because I'll be relocating to Florida next spring. And I've been kind of working on, I've learned a lot about construction. (laughs) (laughs) And believe me, um, so I just, this, this just kind of like popped in. I'm looking at the side feed. I saw, hey, Alan, how you doing? And he says, tonight I'm posting as my holodeck therapy alter ego. Now, n- in carpentry, there's this thing called coping. And it's not coping as you think it's coping. Like I'm trying to cope with sucking at carpentry. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like literally have to like carve out this little notch so that your shoe molding and your baseboards join up and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that's just, not, I'm so glad I'm not that skilled in it because I am terrible. And so what you're saying is you would not be assigned to engineering. 
I don't know. You're not going to be know? hanging out with Rutherford? <laughs> no, no. Rutherford and um, Billups, those guys yeah. are bros, right? As you we know? see in this episode. Totally. I, I was going to make the joke that you said, not only do I like being hot, but I want to be really hot and humid at all times in right, the exactly. move to Florida. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to move from like California heat, which is nice and dry and nothing melts or warps. And I'm just going to take myself over to Swamp. <laughs> and uh sweat all day and regret that decision so (laughs) well please uh please have a guest room because at this rate we're not going to be able to meet in real life (laughs) until after you move (laughs) hopefully that's like not too it's going to be sometime later next year so fingers crossed that we'll have some kind of huge blowout last not last meal. That sounds so fatalist, but like, <laughs> like Goodbye, a meal, meal send yeah, off. Um, we're trying to, we're actually, John and I are trying to schedule like a huge meal meeting, get together at Cantor's Deli sometime in the near future, <sighs> which would be amazing. Right. Yes. Let's speak that into existence. So let's, 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 um, cheer up the conversation a little bit from this yes, fatalist let's. moving topic to something more fun to talk about. Like, Oh, there's only one more episode of lower decks after oh, this that's more fun i don't know if that's true <laughs> it's not. we do know we are blessed to know that they haven't that we there's another season ahead so and animation is one of the few things that can be very actively working so i'm super sad that it's going away but it will be back she'll be back yeah but just think though we have this incredibly highly anticipated episode episode 10 of lower mm-hmm. decks and then just when you think you're going to lament the fact that you're not going to have more star trek you're going to have more star trek that's true because like, we're right ready after. to disco yeah and then depending on how shooting in canada goes one of the other new shows yeah right so <laughs> they keep moving like... around when things are coming out <laughs> well we'll see we'll see um what happens there but i yeah. mean we have so we have they're going to be airing, what, seasons one and two of Disco on... What, on on ne- the real TVs. On the real TV. <laughs> and then we get into season three, which is going to be pretty spectacular. What are, what are your expectations for season three? I mean, aside from what you've seen in the previews. Yeah, and that's so tough because Disco always surprises me. And it never... I, n- I never figure out what's going to happen in it. But since last season dealt with time travel i'm assuming that we're gonna see what the ramifications of that are going to be mm-hmm. and i'm hoping that i'm also curious because um i know sonequa martin green was pregnant during a lot of the filming and had a baby and so the weird thing that i'm gonna be looking for because i'm that person is to see how they cover up her pregnancy over the course of the series because when it was like a seinfeld era you would just shove somebody in a long or even on on tng like that's where the beverly coat comes in right Right, uh, right or that's when kira becomes pregnant with miles's baby for a little bit because so, so she can have the flowing shirt um so i'm interested to see how they do that because like that's always a weird fun like if you're into production to see like how do we get around to this like it blows my mind to think that gal gadot was pregnant for justice league and you're like what what right? woman yeah so like you know um so she's gonna be like walking in an open field with somebody then all of a sudden why is she standing behind a rock Exactly, because <laughs> we, we only green screened out her belly for for, for for the wide shot. Not we had nothing for the mediums because the budget only extends. And that's I mean, and obviously they spend a good amount on effects, but that's like a weird thing that I'm really looking forward to. That has nothing to do with anything. What are your predictions, hopes, dreams? Well, you know, um, it's no secret to a lot of the Mission Log listeners that I'm a huge fan of the the early 2000s Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. Mm-hmm. And uh, which was written and uh, was co-produced uh, by Rod and Majel. And then in, I think the majority of those uh, episodes, I think the first few seasons were written by Robert Hewitt Wolf, you know, who was a huge contributor to Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah. And the way that I see it is that I see the uh, Discovery crew, obviously, they're, they're catapulted like so many hundreds of years in the future, kind of like Andromeda, and they find a broken Federation kind of like the system's commonwealth in Andromeda. So I'm not going to say that they're lifting. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that it's just coincidental mm-hmm. because, you know, it's just so many things in science fiction are tropish and coincidental. It really just depends on how you execute the story and what the story means and where the Federation is at this point. Now, if 
if discovery got, starts planet hopping and going from planet to planet to planet and starting to reassemble pieces of the broken federation into the new federation, I'll be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, you guys. Oh man. If I that happens, I'm going to text you so fast. I'll be like, Norman, <laughs> you called it. If anyone at discovery would like to hire Norman, he's very employable. I'm just very saying, nice man. I don't say that I time travel, but I time travel. So, speaking of time travel, which means absolutely nothing, I'm just segueing into the next section. Um, well, we are going to time travel a little bit because I'd love for you to let everyone know our poll results for last week's poll. Oh, so I don't know if you have been following all, I'm sure you're aware of all the poll drama, but it's so nice to finally have it sorted out. And so the question was favorite guest appearance on this week slash last week's Lower Decks. And so we asked you, Salt Vampire, Q, the Vulcan Shuttle, or the Work Bee. Last episode, we talked a little bit about the early results, and it looks like not a ton has changed with Mr. Q, and I don't mean cute Ben Wishaw from James Bond, is pulling ahead and has won this poll at 63%, which is mm. uh, less than I anticipated. He didn't win in a complete landslide, but I was happy that my Salt Vampire, that she, she made a solid second place showing. <laughs> The M113 Salt Vampire, always good, always a hit. Yes, totally, of course, a classic. <laughs> but I wanted to see the Vulcan shuttle and the work bee just fight it out for third and fourth place. Right? I mean, sh- shout out to whoever voted for work bee because I, I didn't know how that option was going to do. And it is, it's really <laughs> nice that nothing got zero. That can be really tragic in Star Trek. And it was like a nice, inclusive world. So I was like, oh, we all got a little bit of love this week. I think that's so lovely. Oh, worker bee, so yeah. sad. Well, this week we actually had a very interesting poll question, and I was talking to John about this, and I just wanted mm-hmm. to see kind of how it played out. We actually posted it just earlier today, and we had a lot of response. Um, basically, 10 minutes ago, before the show started, 66 people voted in uh, between 5 p.m. and 6.40 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And the question is, do Lower Decks episodes succeed as stories and connect with the audience because, one, they stand on their own, or two... They rely on nostalgia. Now, That's a great question. And it's something that I, I may bring up later on if we have the opportunity to talk a little bit more open, uh, open format because we do have a lot of uh, callers lining up. But 65.2% of the fans of those 66 votes voted in as they stand on their own, leaving 34.8% of the votes going to they rely on nostalgia. Where do you fall with that, Ashley? That's a tough question, and I think it's a really smart question uh, because, particularly in New Trek or Kurtzman Trek or whatever this era post-Kelvinverse movies is going to be known as someday, uh, where it's a very... um, Reductive is a deconstructionist era, right? Like, we are... Really, this is a whole generation of fans and people who were influenced by all of the 90s shows getting a chance to come on in all capacities and work on Trek and like take it apart and reassemble it. I feel like we're looking at a real, like if, if the Enterprise is a Lego, we all unbuilt it and now we've built what we think the modern Enterprise is going to look like. And mm. I think it's a good, it's the trick is to have a balance between new creative, interesting stuff and also referencing the past. And where I think all new Trek, Lower Decks included, succeeds is when it stands on its own, but is able to make clever references. So because you're going to make me pick one of these for the poll, I will say stand on their own. But I do think it's a, it's a delicate balance between the two because you have, I mean, 50 plus years of history. You can't ignore that either. That would be foolhardy. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it is a lot of content to lean on. And uh, I just want to answer a couple questions here yeah. in the chat. The polls right now, and I'm not sure if everyone has, uh, has an account uh, available on Twitter, but we've moved the polls to Twitter because it just seems like right now that helps us avoid some of the poll drama that's been going on with Facebook. And it's a little bit easier for people. Just Twitter is very, very apt for creating polls and for people mm-hmm. just to be able to just, you know, hit one of the two um, options. And I don't know why it's not working on a Facebook for us, but that's not really here nor there. So, um, so yeah. So if you wanted to see the poll, you still have your chance to vote in for next week to see if we can drive those numbers up, please visit our uh, Twitter page, uh, mission log podcast, that's on Twitter. 
So um, I think we should just jump into the recap and see what happens. Let's do it. I am ready. Okay. So let's see if I can actually see my recap because I have been having reading problems with the distance that where I'm sitting right now into seeing my screen. So I, I don't know if I have to put on my Oh my gosh, I forgot my reading glasses. Here we go, folks. Ooh, yeah, we, can, we, can, uh, we can do a tag team if you need to. Just let me know. I'm going to lean in and squint. No, do kidding. it. Do it. Okay, so here we go. Crisis point. Recap. Prologue. On a distant alien world, Ensign Mariner believes that she has scored a major diplomatic victory for the Federation as she secured independence for lizard species who until now have been raised as the major food source for a dominant rat population. However, when Captain Freeman beams onto the scene, it turns out that Mariner's orders have been countermanded, which not only enrages Mariner but causes her to lash out at her captain and her mother, forcing Freeman to do the unthinkable, to order her daughter to report not to the brig, but to therapy. So 80s. <laughs> Act so one. So ethical. <laughs> In Dr. Miglino's office, two things are clear. One, Ensign Mariner truly needs a more constructive outlet for her anger. And two, Miglino really does lean heavily on food references in his sessions. Later in the holodeck, Mariner, Tendi, and Rutherford are shooting skeet with Leonardo da Vinci, but when Boimler arrives, he asks to load his special Boimler 7 program with them so he can practice for his upcoming evaluation with Captain Freeman. Boimler's simulation is a perfect recreation of every bridge officer based on their personal log files, which I thought were personal, uh, so they respond to as authentically as possible. Knowing this, Mariner reprograms Boimler's simulation to fit her ideal form of therapy, a holodeck movie entitled Crisis Point, The Rise of Indicta. Hey, nice font choice, by the way. Cut to the new prologue. Captain Freeman's birthday jet ski party is interrupted by a pushy Ensign Boimler, who is trying to get the captain's good graces as his interruption is interrupted by Starfleet orders, recalling Freeman and her crew to Douglas Starbase. It seems that a mystery ship has infiltrated Starfleet, but instead of defaulting to sending the Enterprise, which is usually the case... Captain Freeman and her crew rush headfirst into danger, but not before they take an extended director's cut flyby of the newly upgraded USS Cerritos, complete with blinding lens flares and a tear-jerkingly epic soundtrack. Act 2. Warping into the Adlokana 6 system, I don't pronounce that right ever, Adlokana 6 system, the USS Cerritos is suddenly engaged with an unknown vessel. Suddenly, the Cerritos view, view screen crackles and Mariner appears cackling sinisterly as Vindicta, Wrath, I mean, Vengeance personified with Pirate Queen Tendi, Bionic 5 Rutherford, and Shempo, Boimler's on-screen replacement in tow. Kant, I mean, Vindicta, launches straight away at Freeman, calling her a Starfleet lapdog. But the ruse is short-lived as the Cerritos crew discovers Vindicta's evil monologuing is recording, which has allowed Mariner, Tendi, and Rutherford to beam onto the Cerritos allowing all of them to explore their different fantasies. Mariner vaporizes anyone in her path as she cuts a swath towards her eventual showdown with her mom. Rutherford breaks ranks to square off with Chief Engineer Billups and Tendi. Well, she's not all on board with embracing her Orion slave-trading cultural roots or Mariner's cinematic bloodlust and storms out of the movie. Gleefully murdering her way to the bridge, Mariner finally confronts the root of all her pain, her mom. More specifically, her mom's unflinching disappointment with her, even as the movie's villain, to which Mariner indulges Freeman as, Indicta and, as Vindicta and detonates her own ship, causing the Cerritos to plummet to the planet below. Act 3. The holodeck simulation of Captain Freeman snaps true to form, calling out for any survivors, as Mariner calls her out for feigning concern and faking the role of the dutiful captain. Meanwhile, Rutherford, who we saw last charging forth to find a superior officer, has actually expressed his great admiration for him as to become the stereotypical, unlikely buddy trope that in any good action film has at its warp core. Back on the bridge, it seems that Mariner has gotten the best of Captain Freeman, and as Vindicta is about to deliver the death blow, the holodeck simulation of Ensign Mariner suddenly appears and saves her captain. And now, Mariner and Vindicta Mariner meet face-to-face, -face and engage in what can only be described as the most cathartic fight scene ever produced, as they not only exchange and land physical blows, 
but emotional attacks as well. And true to the program's intent, Holodeck Mariner emulates everything that Vindicta Mariner hates about herself. In a moment of true clarity, Mariner, the real Mariner, finally realizes that her anger isn't spurred on from her mother. Mariner sees that she only has herself to blame. However, one good distraction deserves another, and Hollow Mariner proves one last perfect point about how her and Vindictive Mariner's personality, they would do whatever it takes to make sure their crew got away safely. Boom. In the aftermath of the movie, Mariner sets out to right so many wrongs, including apologizing to Tendi for marginalizing her Orion culture, but most importantly, she offers an olive branch to her mom, which, ironically enough, sends Captain Freeman to therapy and to more food metaphors. That poor bonsai tree. Finally, Boimler returns to the holodeck to finish his pre-interview test, test run, and before he knew what was happening, Captain Freeman, during Mariner's funeral, admitted that she is in fact Mariner's mother, a secret that no one on the Cerritos knows until now, and whoever knows this and kept this a secret could face a court-martial. And this bombshell of a secret didn't do Boimler any favors, as it completely caused him to panic during his interview and leave yet another less than stellar impression with the captain. The end. But wait! <gasps> Vindicta survived the explosion as she cackles with vengeful rage and crawls out from inside a, fo a photon torpedo tube and bang! Da Vinci for the win. The <laughs> end. End. <laughs> You did great. <laughs> I, I, I guess I, well, we got through it, right? We got yeah. through it. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. So um, usually, usually uh, we would like to kind of get into the nuts and bolts of uh, this kind of an episode. But last time you and I were on, Ashley, we were like literally like either grappling with our own notes and getting into like what we wanted to talk about or... We could do, I don't know, maybe the, the gracious thing and take a couple of calls for people who are waiting to talk to us or specifically talk to you. Uh, I think that would be the kind and generous thing to do, yes. Well, before we do that, though, because I'm reading your notes right now, <laughs> I love your first two notes. because. Oh, my I, God, it was so dumb but so funny. <laughs> I love the lizard people. The lizard, okay, there are... So many iconic lizard people in Trek. The first episode of Trek I ever saw was Arena. So I love the gore, but like the way they just say, what do you, what, what do you like to do? Bass. Bass. Yes, Bass. Well, we, do, we do taste good. They're just really <laughs> like soft and fun. Which if you think about it, it's probably how a real lizard would be if it evolved into a, they'd be much more like that than they would be like the Cardassians, which in a lot of ways are also lizard people, right? They like the heat. They like to be near the sun, stuff like that. That was so funny. And then when they were talking about, would you stop eating them if we give you replicators and the rat people are like, I don't know, can they make nutrient pellets? I just, you know, we all want to think that we like really highbrow humor, but like Basque just really did it for me this week. And, I, and, I, and before we jump, I also love the small moments, like when basically when, when Freeman says, nope, you have to return them back to their status quo. And then that rat person looks at the lizard person, kind of just like licks his lips. He's like, yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's worth going back. If you missed it, that's absolutely worth going back and watching for. It's so funny. I love that kind of smart humor. That's really, really on point. And that those small details really make the originality of the mm -hmm. writing, which, which again, kind of spurned on my question from before. But um, let's see what our first caller thinks about Crisis Point. On the phone, we have Chris. How are you doing, doing, Chris? Doing his best impression of a dune sandworm. Or That's right. That's right. I, I, I saw Norm was on this week, and I, ha I had to break it out for you, man. I know you've been waiting. Cold weather gear. I have. Right. An entire month I've been waiting for this, and you did not disappoint. So there we go. Uh, no, I really liked this week's episode. Um, really firing on all, all cylinders, I think. You know, homaging the movies from motion picture all the way to JJ. Really good stuff. I actually w really wanted to talk about the bar fight scene. Uh, I think, to me, that is, like, almost quintessential Lower Decks. Like, if someone asked me, what is Lower Decks about? I'd be like, this bar fight scene. Because it starts out with, like, the sort of high octane rick and morty comedy 
you know, Shaxx with this wonderful line, tell the pot race, Shaxx sent you. See so good. Like, so <laughs> good. I was like waving my arms and freaking out when that happened. <laughs> yeah, Shaxx is my favorite upper decker by far. But so you start with that and then you go into this sort of softer moment and we see how much uh, Tendi and Mariner have come. And I like this sort of works both sides. You see that, you know, they're close enough now that Tendi feels confident enough that she can basically call Mariner out on her on her nonsense and like, what are you doing, man? Why are you running around killing people? That's that's not cool. And I also like just the sort of this little teensy drops of Tendi backstory because I've always been wondering like, what is an Orion doing in Starfleet? I haven't really thought a lot about it because I love Tendi and Tendi's wonderful. But any more detail we get on how she got here, and I like that there is some friction that could be explored in later episodes. You know, the other thing I liked about what Tendi said to Mariner is like, you know what, stop exploiting my culture. You know, there's a, I think that that was kind of like, um, almost like a, a clarion call to all fans saying like, you know what, Orion women aren't just these like scantily clothed, sexualized creatures. You know, they're, I mean, and, and Tendi's trying to overcome that. You know, she, I think that's why she, she is in Starfleet. She's like, look, it's kind of like Nog. You know, he has to mm-hmm. overcome the Ferengi culture. Tendi is trying to overcome everything that we, and this is taking us through the fourth wall, but everything that we know of Orion slave women starting all the way back in, um, you know, in uh, the cage with Susan Oliver. Yeah. Right. She set the standard there, but except for, and I, I know this is out of universe in a way, but except for Star Trek continues Lolani, we never actually really saw an independent, intellectual, intelligent, strong slave girl, Orion slave woman. And I think that's where Tendi is trying to break this mold, or at least the writers are trying to break this mold. Um, how do, what do you think, Ashley? Do you, am, I, am I there or am I off base? I think you absolutely nailed it, but it, it's also, it's so interesting because, right, this show was written probably a year and a half ago, you know, to a year ago. Like that that moment felt the most like of this moment right now, particularly in the conversation that was had between Mariner and Tendi, because that's a conversation that I think more people are engaging in now as well. And it was nice to see that, yeah, we can do that and we can do that type of conversation on the funny show. And that's great. And it's true to the characters and it's this like beautiful moment for them. But also, it still fits into the ethos of like, this is what Star Trek is, right? Like going all the way back to TOS where we had even the original pilot where we had a lot of representation for the time on the bridge and what does that mean and who do we decide who we're going to trust? Like in a lot of ways for me, that's the most Star Trek-y thing that happens in this episode, even though the whole episode, like all Lower Decks episode, is an homage to all the trappings and tropes that we know from the franchise over the years. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that point, hopefully, later on after, after a few calls. So what else could, stood out to you, Chris, that you really enjoyed about Crisis Point? I mean, let's, I mean, let's, let's be honest. The, the big kind of like this, I don't know, the $100,64,000 question is, what did you think of the, the, the fairly close homage to the motion picture, the flyby, the Wrath of Khan, the font package, which was amazing, all of those <laughs> details. Did you feel that, that that enhanced the story for you or did you feel that it was a way to just kind of prey upon your nostalgic feelings? I mean, um, this sort of goes back to the, the poll question that you brought up earlier. And I think the key question there is like rely, like what is it most trading on? And I think that while Lower Decks definitely uses the nostalgia, I don't think that's like it's like guiding post. It's guiding post is its characters and the things we do. And so we get scenes like the bar fight scene with Tendi and Mariner, or we get Boimler on his constant quest to sort of level up. And so while I did love the sort of homage, because I mean, once it happens, it's like, oh, it's obvious. Of course, they're going to do a movie parody episode. Um, I was surprised it came in season one that they were just like, let's go, let's do it now. But, you know, it worked out pretty good. I like, um, oh, the fact that Boimler dots his eye with a Delta is <laughs> by far the best, like, trivia nugget to come out of this week. So, yeah, I don't think it, like, impinged on anything. I think it's sort of, this is where Lower Decks exists, is it knows what has come before and it knows you like that, and but it also has its own things to say, which I really appreciate. 
I also defy anyone not to take their intoxicant of choice and watch the sequence when they're flying around the ship and not just cackle the whole time. It's so funny. And look, I am someone who thinks that TMP is great, except for the boring parts, but then that might be the best part of it. So I I think it was such a smart choice if we were going to go as far as the movies in season one, because I agree with you, Chris. I was like, wow, season one movies already? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they made a really intelligent choice about how they used it. And they didn't even touch on, all, you know, there's so many, because there's 100 million episodes of Star Trek and 100 million Star Trek movies. They didn't even touch on all the jokes they could have made. So more for the future. Season two, predictions. There we are. Uh, I, what, the thing I want, this, I can't, I'm not good at predicting. But the thing I want to see, I want uh, Zephram Cochran in it. That's what I want. Somewhere. Yeah. Even just the statue, I'll take the statue. Okay. And with, a, with an eagle, right? Right next to Miles' statue. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> the great bird of the galaxy. <laughs> the most important man in Star Trek, Starfleet history. Well, Chris, thanks, uh, my friend. It's good to see you again. Thank you for your call, and thank you for wearing your headgear because of course. you are amazing, and I appreciate you. Thank you. And uh, the fans appreciate you, too. All right. All right. Wonderful. Take care, my friend. Bye, Chris. Yeah. See ya. Uh, next up, we have Michael Gaines. Michael, how are you? And I am so jealous of your podcast setup. Look at your gear. Wow. <laughs> that is on a separate level. Hi, Michael. Oh I'm hugging you with my brain. Right Ashley, now. you get a big hug and a kiss from me. I miss you so much. How are you? I miss you terribly. Michael and I are old friends, so this is very exciting. He said he was going to call in one week, and he did it, so I said, you have to. I couldn't do it last week, and, and it's just as well because I, I, I only watched last week's episode once, so I, I wouldn't do so well um, on last week's show. But anyway, but no, I did the voice of the Guardian of Forever for um, Richard Diaries. Hell Yeah. So, Michael's like a dyed-in-the-wool mm-hmm. friend and collaborator. Uh, and yes. very kindly also on an old, old episode of This Week in Trek also did a little character spotlight on Ensign Williams. Yeah. I truly yes, make yes, me yes. cry. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm just in awe of, of your voice and your setup. You sound so amazing, like velvet. No, oh, no, I don't. Thank you. But <laughs> I don't even have a compression working on my mixer, but thank you. <laughs> So what did you think about this week's episode, Michael? Oh, this week's episode was so good. It was yeah. so good. Okay, so I've been trying to figure out, I just want to say this first, like what are they trying to do with Lower Decks? And what I have found, the Zahn reference is a clear indicator that they're not just using the characters in the show to reference Star Trek. This is like a, I, I call it like the third and a half wall. It's not the fourth wall because Zahn was never an actual character. He was in phase two. He was supposed to be in phase two. Uh, The actor wound up being in Star Trek, the motion picture for a second, but the Zahn reference means that like the, the, the writers are going through the characters to show everybody how much they love Star Trek. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so getting back to your question, it was, it was a roundabout way of getting back to your question is that I, I love the episode because now we're trying, now we're seeing that the writers are trying to have a lot of fun with Star Trek. And, and I, I wrote this on Twitter today. I said, Star Trek has been really, really serious for 50 plus years. And now they have taken the, 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 the franchise that we know and love the stories that we know and love and, and having fun with it. And, and so this episode really took everything about like Star Trek movies and, and other references also uh, and, and just put it all together. And they just created this amazing episode and I loved it. I think it's the best of the season so far. You know, I, I like, I like that you said that because it, in, in many ways, I think there are, are obviously in Star Trek and fandom, we know that there are camps when it comes to the different fandoms mm-hmm. uh, within the series themselves, you know, and mm-hmm. subs, you know, subsets of those fans and fandoms within the series. Mm-hmm. And I think that with Lower Decks and um, Ashley, jump here at any time. I think yeah. with Lower Decks, I think that there is a subset of fans that just want to watch Star Trek and to see these details pop up and to laugh with them, but also care about the characters, but do it in a way where they can walk away from that episode and not feel that they've really been put through something, you know, an Mm -hmm. emotional, you know, emotional journey or a ringer or something that harangues their feelings, you know, just something that, okay, I liked it. It was Star Trek. It reminds me why I love Star Trek. Yeah. 
and and we can we can be good with that and mm-hmm. i think that's i think that's very important that um that we acknowledge that that is i think what lower decks is trying to achieve yeah and and you try and cram a lot of star trek into 20 some odd minutes like you you did with the original animated series which i always defend and i say that uh you you can have star trek with or or this goes back to your poll i i posted the polls like is it too much was it it was too much references or 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 just what what, i forgot does it stand on its own because it's original or because it relies on references i wrote because you wrote you wrote the word relies Mm -hmm. i chose uh that it stands on its own the references are for fun but if you boil each episode down, we, we talk about this on This Week in Trek every week, is that if you boil these episodes down, the references are great. And admittedly, we, we spend a little, maybe too much time listing them. But the story of these characters, these Lower Decks characters, and, and what you were asking is like, what do you want to see in season two? I think that we're going to see these characters grow. And I think that's the point of this show is to have some fun, watch these characters grow out of the lower decks and have like legit, like, uh, like a um, promotion. Unlike the one that, uh, that Mariner had a few episodes back. And um, I think that they're going to just, they're still going to be lower decks, but they're going to grow out of it a little bit. Um, They can't be lower decks forever. You know, we want to have them, you know, grow and evolve. Yeah. But then what, actually? You, I was going to say, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that one of the strengths of this week's episode is Mariner's journey mm-hmm. and that we actually like the therapy aspect. And like, I am a big proponent of therapy. I think mm-hmm. everyone should be in therapy. It's great. Uh, and, uh, and there's lots of sliding scale therapy. So go Google that. But I, I really loved her final battle with herself because yes. being able to vocalize that kind of stuff about yourself is so hard mm-hmm. and it's going to be such a cool turn for her because I feel like she's been on the precipice of greatness, like literally in terms yeah. of what we're being told in the story. And then in terms of how we're seeing her act. And so I hope that your prediction comes true in that, like this was a lot of like fun and setup, And then in season two, we get to see them level up, but it begs the question, uh, then do we get new, like if they all become, I'm in America, so it's lieutenants. If they become lieutenants, <laughs> I want to say lieutenant, then yeah. will we get new ensigns? Like that could be very interesting. And then are you know, is there like a good a lower decks like uh, faction war yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that? That could be cute. That'd well, be interesting. Like, you know, it's, it's like those uh, the, you know, say Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, we all saw them start off as sophomores, and then through mm-hmm. the course of the first three seasons, they're going to end up graduating. You know, they're going to leave eventually and go to you know become adults so what happens to that storyline when they leave the one place that you know is is really why they're there you know like yeah. the boca del inferno the hellmouth you know in sunnyvale yeah i'm a huge buffy fan sorry i don't think i've ever told anyone that but it's, it's not a shameful secret it's just well like, who isn't right truly i was gonna say or it's like in smallville where they all go to college and suddenly metropolis is a lot closer to smallville than it was when they were in high school yeah <laughs> But it's true with when you have characters that you know they're going to eventually evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, will they take that promotion? Because you know that Mariner is very reluctant to do so because she yeah. knows if that promotion is going to lead her towards, um, as somebody said in, in the chat, upper management. And mm-hmm. upper management is not what they are there for because eventually yeah. that will change you. That will turn you into someone who is uh, going to be the, the scheduler of meetings for other meetings. You know, and <laughs> but also if yeah. they never got to that yeah. point, like it would be equally disappointing if we got five seasons of Lower Decks, which like touch wood, give me five, ten seasons of the show. Sure. Um, and they're still ensigns. That can't be. Yeah. Kind of like, what are you? Just, Harry Kim, truly sorry. Just yeah. this, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, which is such a bummer. I have, I have so much to say about Harry Kim. Uh, I had such a crush on you, girl. Yeah, if you're listening. Mm. It would be so you. funny, though, if it, like, like five years later, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Harry Kim makes an appearance and he's still an ensign. It's like, hey, I know you. <laughs> no, that would be you could do him so dirty. You got to make him the captain the next time we see. No, you, no, you really have. No, you got to make him a captain. I, I, I have to agree with that. You have to make him. Um, maybe but he'll to hang the, for the lower decks, you know, and say like, you know what, I want to be an ensign again, just for one more day. Yeah. Oh. No. Yeah, but to the point you were talking about therapy, uh, I because they they do talk fast in this episode. Um, I did mm. catch it on the first time when Mariner was. I think it was when she was programming or right after she was programming it she she said to boimler she said something like shut up i gotta work some stuff out and i think that was like her her personal therapy 
Mm -hmm. Um, That was her way of taking control because I think that's what she really wants to do is she wants to take control of everything. Well, she does. She wants to do what she wants. So she doesn't want to go to therapy and talk to the guy who makes all the food references. She wants to work it out her own way. I didn't get the character's name, but I know it's Paul F. Tompkins. The last mm-hmm. thing I watched him in was BoJack Horseman. So it's really funny <laughs> to see him shifting into a new animal body this time around. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have about time. I'm sorry, Michael, uh, to cut no, you off so quickly, but you know, we have uh, other callers lined up. And I just want to say, like, if you have one last thing you'd like to discuss about the, the episode before you have to let you go. Uh, boy, God, I, uh, I have a lot of references here and things I want to talk about, but I think I went over them all. Uh, yeah, I went over them all. So I just, it's just great writing. I think that the writing room is having a lot of fun and the, uh, the, everybody in front and behind of the camera, so to speak, is doing a great job. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see when we get to season two and and where that's going to take us, but we have one more episode left. And we'll see where that takes us. Mm-hmm. Sad face. Sad face. Right. <laughs> um, thanks a lot for your call, Michael. It's uh, nice, to you. You, nice to meet you. And um, I'm going ha- yeah, to have to talk to you hard. about your setup because your setup is yeah. money. <laughs> Bye, Ashley. <laughs> I adore you. Stay safe. Yes, you do. Bye. Okay, thanks, Thank Michael. you. Take Bye. Care. Uh, make sure that if you want to call in, you dial in to 699. I do that all the time. or make sure that you hit the zoom meeting id and now uh somebody who i recognize and it's really nice to see a friend inside here not that michael's not a friend but you're a friend now is aaron harvey aaron how you doing hey i heard someone mention the original animated series so i just appeared no (laughs) (laughs) if you see it you will appear manifest aaron from afar And I know Ashley, so we That's all true. know each other here. So. I was like, either that or the other thing I would put if I was making a submitting circle for you would be like a gig for a co- like comic book covers or art cover. Yeah. I'd be like, that's like the Venn diagram to get Aaron to appear. <laughs> There's improv in there somewhere too, because I've got my that's night true. shift poster behind me. So yeah. I was like, <laughs> so how have you been? I haven't seen you in a while. Everything good? I know. I've been doing okay. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, I haven't literally left the house in months, so <laughs> it's like. Yeah, join the club. But a lot of the same, same. And you uh, have, but no, oh, I like in the back. You have your TAS book. Yes, your book, got, which is some, awesome. Uh, if you, I can't tilt it up, but I've got the uh, pink tribbles and the glomer. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I was going to mention Zon too because in my old podcast we were centered on the seventies. Um, so the fact that they had a character that didn't exist from a show that was never made was really kind of interesting. And <laughs> yeah, that's a deep, deep, deep like, cut. Yeah, well, I was going to mention another deep cut, which I thought, and I don't know if anybody's pointed it out, he was called Bionic 5, Rutherford. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a show called Bionic 6 in the 1980s, yeah. and there was a character named IQ who had a robotic arm, the eye thing, and everything like that, and he was the fifth one, so he would be Bionic 5. Bionic five. Oh, I thought it was yeah. a Babylon 5 reference. No, I think it's a deep cut <laughs> reference to another cartoon. Dang. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I would know if it was a Babylon 5 reference, but <laughs> no. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah, what happened to Bionic 1 through 4? So what was your overall take on Crisis Point, Aaron? And what did you think about it? I, I literally think this is one of my favorite Star Trek uh, episodes this century. Hell I know that yeah. sounds like hyperbolic, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, um, and I know everybody who's like, oh, this is my favorite episode yet. And that's happened every week. And I've kind of put off doing that because I just didn't want to be like the uh, up one up at every, every week. Um, or if there was one that I just didn't like or something. Uh, but this, just the, the, the humor and the pathos and everything kind of smashed together worked really well. It's like kind of how Doctor Who would take, you know, you cry in one scene and laugh in another. And it's just, it, it really, there were some moments where I just asked, like when Mariner basically threw herself over the, the bridge and she whacked her head on a chair as she fell. It was just like, wow. It, it was shockingly brutal for yeah. Lodex. <laughs> well, it's like he was, she was using a version of the Veron T disruptor because everybody's sort of like, they didn't, they didn't just phase her out. They were disrupting. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was painful for those holographic characters um when it comes to something like that you know when i was watching it there's a it it reminded me of um i can't remember the comedian's name but it reminded me of a skit where he basically said if there weren't rules against murder there'd be so much more murder and uh, when mariner was basically going through the hallways he was dusting pretty much everybody that 
either she wanted to, had a grudge against, or both, just gleefully because. And I like yeah. that Kendi was like, oh, hey, what's going on here? Because this is way, way yeah. too much murder, even for a even fantasy. Even for, for, for funsies. Yeah, so, I yeah, actually exactly. have in my note, I was like, I would have kicked out the exact same time as Tendi because of like, I know they're, yeah. I know they're holograms. Here, and I know this they're earring? Real, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't... yeah there's a little piece of ear on it still. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I love when she left the holodeck that the blood disappeared. Yeah. 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 Right. That was I mean, just kind of like great. evaporated off uh, yeah. holodeck blood. But mm-hmm. you know, from from an animation standpoint, oh, yeah. you know, because it it was so because it's lower decks and because we know it's 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 Mike uh, McMahon and and it's like in that vein of Rick and Morty. Is it too much? Was it too much violence? Was it too dark? Was it too over the top? Was it too um, mm-hmm. indulgent? I don't think so. I think you needed that to get her to where she was. Like, if you were a little less on the nose about the violence, I don't know if it would have made the same point. I'm also because it didn't, Go ahead. No, I was saying it didn't feel like it was using it gratuitously. It was using it to a point. Exactly. Mm. I was going to say, if it was bloodier, and I know Rick and Morty loves their bodily fluids, which mm. eats me out <laughs> yeah. sometimes. But if it were grosser... I think that would have taken it too far because you end this episode and you still like Mariner. And we actually, I I felt like she really had a great moment of growth. And you're like, oh, this is like very low key her episode, even though we're pretending that this is a Boimler episode. And if if she had like bashed her own head in and you could see like the caving in and her, like you wouldn't have liked her anymore. And then unless we were going to murder her in the finale, I don't think it would have been worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Which yeah, I'm going to yeah. say is not going to happen. That's my prediction. Yeah. Not going <laughs> to die not. in the finale. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. Right. What uh, else yeah, no. about the episode did you like? Um, well, I loved, or, of course, all the film. You know? Well, no, I, yeah. I, that, I, don't, I don't think there was really anything I particularly disliked. I love the fact that so much happened in 22 minutes that it feels like it was an hour and a half show. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I still don't understand. It warps right. time when you watch these episodes because it just feels like they're a lot longer than they really are in a good way. Not, 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 not like the animated series original where sometimes 22 minutes felt like 22 hours uh, <laughs> with the repeating music and everything. Were you going to bring and, up the, the film grain? Yes, I was, that was the thing I was going to mention. Oh, so cool! <laughs> and when the perspective changes, Boimler actually yep. looks down and notices that it has, like, the perspective has closed in and become film. Yeah, the film grain. There's also at one point when they fly into where the selenium rings are, the planet, there's the little blob of that they would used to cut the hole in that would mean, oh, yep. switch the reels. Yeah, there's just so many really good little tiny things in there that were, you know, I don't know, not everybody would notice it, so... I'm so glad that that was one of the first comments that I saw about this episode on Twitter. And sometimes, especially like everyone uh, talking right now is a, a, you know, a SoCal-y entertainer. (laughs) So I'm like, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, does this make sense to anyone who isn't here right now? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm so glad that that is something that people are enjoying about the show too, because that level of thought could so easily have not gone into this episode and not gone into the show. And I think yeah. little details like that and like the Zon reference are the reason why people are responding so positively to yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, just so much of it was just, it was a love letter too. The fact they had the, the signatures at the end, the, the whole TMP parody of flying around that was done really well, but not to the point where you're just, irritated by it you know it was it, it went just the right length and the fact at the end when they spin around it was just ridiculous but was- <laughs> i'm gonna pull a uh, comment yeah. here out of the chat from michael north and he says don't forget about the soundtrack the brass section for the win and that's something that what is one yes. of my favorite scenes is when they actually married james horner's soundtrack to yep. um the soundtrack for the or the main theme to lower decks as they kind of did the flyby by the Cerritos, and i was like yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tearing up here, too. This is amazing. I love it when they do that. They did it so brilliantly. And they really use the music in a cinematic way because, like, when Mariner shows up to, to stop Vindicta from, you know, killing her mother, that was a big movie score mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was really, I don't know, it just felt big. They did a really good job of making it feel large. That's a detail for me where I wonder if that was in the script or if that's something that was worked out entirely in post. We're like, bigger, grander. Mm. Here is literally the score that we are aping. Please mm-hmm. give me this. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. It was, it, it was just done really well. And that made me want the, to get the score. I'm like, okay, this has to come yeah. out on a CD. Yeah. 
There was one really nice angle too when they were kind of uh, doing the flyby around the Cerritos and you just saw the saucer section, one of the, the struts and like one of the nacelles and it almost looked like the Enterprise because mm-hmm. that's all you saw. You saw that reference point. Then they pulled back and you're like, oh, okay, now you see like kind of yep. where the architecture is. But I thought that those small touches, again, it doesn't really necessarily have to be like um, an over the top, you know, hit you over the head reference. It's just yeah. that when you see it as a Star Trek fan, you're like, okay, that was smart. A nice choice, nice piece of directing, nice camera angle. It kind of crescendos with the music and you get that really nice moment. And that's where I think that like Lower Decks is most successful is when they are as subtle like that or like with yes. the song reference or, you know, tell them, Shaq sent you. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, even going back to your, you know, the poll question, is it, does it stand on its own or is it, you know, it uses those references so well that it doesn't feel like it's relying on them. Mm-hmm. It, it, and you can tell what the way they're using it. They're not like, okay, here's a checklist. We're going to mention this. We're going to mention this. You know, it's, it's something they want to put in because it's part of their Star Trek fandom. At least that's what it feels like to me. I also love their use of in-universe reference. Like, I know that you dress up as Toby Targ for Halloween. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I need to know what Toby Targ is. Where can I get a costume? And when is Leg <laughs> Avenue doing the sexy ripoff of it? Like, what does that look like? I have to know. We actually oh talked God. about sexy Toby Targ. <laughs> That's really hilarious. Yeah. Yes. Toby Targ is is a, a character from the, the publisher of uh, The Doctor on Voyager. A computer wrote oh. it. And that's what, it, yes, it's, a, it's an in-universe thing, so... And I think Bolana even dressed up as Toby Targ or something at one point. I can't remember. Somebody did. They mentioned him. So there's two, two Voyager episodes where he's brought up. I'm actually shocked that you brought in Leg Avenue because, hey, it's almost <laughs> Halloween and they're all over the Halloween stores, much to most people's chagrin. Yeah. You know, so um, we, uh, we actually have uh, one more caller on the line. So, Aaron, I'd love for you to get in like one more thought here about the episode. Um, and uh, then we're going to have to let you go. But it's been good seeing I- you. I, I kind of referring back to Ashley, I think it, it really shows that therapy is something that's positive and it's, it's bringing that out of the shadows and sort of like, I don't know if this episode could have been done 10 years ago with yeah. that level of, you know, just frankness. I mean, yes. for me, like if, if they really wanted to go deep cut with a reference, it would have been nice if say like the doctor was wearing, you know, the, the hand with the dove, you know, kind of like the, the, um, <laughs> Remember the old medical uh, from? I don't. I, you've never cosplayed that though before, have you? No, <laughs> I've not seen that before ever. No. That, episode, <laughs> that would have been so, good though. Thanks for calling in, Aaron. It was really good thank seeing you. you. And um, good to see you. For, uh, thanks for all your input. You've been uh, really, really entertaining. Thank you. Here. Bye. <laughs> all right. So uh, we have Captain Lou from Canada uh, standing by with his next skit tryout for us. So here we go. What's happening, Lou? Are you there, Lou? Hello. Earl? How about now? I can hear you. It says I'm unmuted now. You are unmuted Uh, now. You you missed the... Okay, you you missed those three jokes, Norm. They were fantastic. I'm sure they were. Um, I I do apologize. There's something wrong with the visuals here, and I have neither the uh, the uh, technological expertise nor the inclination to fix them. Um, I, I did wave to Ashley, but that doesn't do me uh, much good from here. I'm waving back, uh, I promise. Okay, okay. Um, and next time I'll use my hands, which, uh, which I've, been, I've been warned about before. Oh, is that what my icon looks like? How lame. All right, um, I'm going to ignore that. I'll look at you guys when you're up there. Uh, Norm, I want to say we're going to miss you terribly. Um, uh, Where am I going? Uh, I, I you're going to Florida, which is, isn't that like a fate worse than death? Or or, uh, or are you planning on surviving it? I, I don't know. I, I'm just saying, um, I mean, I, I, I spent a year one weekend in Florida, and I, I, I'm just saying uh, we're, we, we, we valued our time together, and I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss that. You were mentioning about some carpentry <laughs> problems. I didn't get all of that, but were you giving us the plain truth? Yeah, that's that the, the, um, the plainest truth. Actually, the plain um, truth? Actually, uh, to, to, to put your, to dissuade your fears, to assuage your fears. Assuage, yes. yes. Assuage, like you would assuage mm-hmm. you to catch up. If anyone gets that reference, you're my best friend. I'm going <laughs> to catch up. Uh, but you know, I'm building out a new room. I'm building actually a new studio uh, there um, where, where I'm going to be moving to. The only trick is going to be hopefully um, – 
Comcast is going to be is going to play nice with the internet connection because Comcast is known for being high quality. So I, I have a very important follow up. How close are you going to be to Disney World? <laughs> I am going to be that uh, Orlando's two hours away. I'll be in okay. Gainesville, Florida. So where... relatively close to Disney World. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just a hop, skip, and, a, and, a, and an entertaining car. Uh, entertaining car. Get Ashley's room ready. I'll state it up front. <laughs> I, I wish we're going to be able to travel again. I'm just trying to shore up all the free rooms I could get. <laughs> <laughs> you can hang out with the I, um, I, I, sh I should point out, I, I, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not Instagram. So I miss every poll as well as all Bulgarians, most Serbs, and about half the Russians. So if you can move that, then I would appreciate you did that. I will oh, do my very I best. Think yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, a couple of quick jokes before the observations. Um, Dr. Dr. Maglimo, I was trying to figure out if that was some um, some pun. I can't I can't make it out forwards or backwards. I will say this: his food analysis really did stir things up, and some some of the references I don't think cut the mustard. And he really needs to have his just desserts. So I think I think I have to. Uh, well, you stick a fork oh, in that. I'm done with, with that. The food references. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Um, I, uh, okay, I, I don't, I'm, I've got all my, my, my notes are all together, so I'm going to try to flip them as much as, uh, as I can. Uh, did anybody think that Winger Bingston Jr.'s credit and role was very similar to one of my favorite shows, Police Squad, when they did a big, big guest star appearance and the guest star died in the first scene? Because <laughs> that's what I thought I noticed. Well, I don't know if I saw this guy before, but he's there like for 15 seconds and he gets, gets crushed by, uh, uh, by, by, by some sort of device that falls on him. It's very sucker-ish humor, for sure. I was going to say, Police Squad's not the reference I was expecting today, but I'm happy that it got brought up, because that show rocks. <laughs> right? It, it, it does. It, 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 it does. I have that on, uh, I was going to say, on VHS, the, the other <laughs> thing. What is that? Uh, I don't know uh, what I'm, that uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm older than both of you combined. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Not saying I'm old, but when I started texting, it was called Morse code. Yes, I get it. I'm old. <laughs> um, for the win. Uh, for uh, Shempo, was that a Stooges reference to one That's of the brothers who, um, uh, who, who didn't get the, uh, the same kind of billing? Or am I reading too much into that as well? I was thinking that was like Shempo um, was the Shemp reference. You had, uh, you had Curly. Right, and then you had yeah. Kemp, and then you had Curly Joe. Yeah, yeah, I like the Stooges too. Buffy and the Stooges; those are my two big reveals for. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I, I have both of their albums, and they, they yeah, they, I, I really like the deep cuts on that. I was going to ask Ashley if Toby Targ is a Klingon cartoon, maybe, or would uh, they would so they have that kind of sense of humor? To memory, Alpha, it is a kids' book, and we see stuffed Toby Targs. Uh, and then if you go down to Google image search, uh, apparently people sell stuff, Toby Targs. So I don't know if Klingons have the TV, but I would imagine there is a Toby Targ opera would be my guess. Hmm. Because the Klingons love um, opera. They do. Uh, Especially Worf. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I must be late to the party because this is the first episode I actually noticed uh, Shaq's Bajoran earring or even reference to being a Bajoran because I heard people talk about it before at least I think I did and I for the life of me I usually watch the episodes twice and have you noticed it before did it just just somehow elude me am I am I looking past somebody's ear I uh oh I mean as um, someone whose favorite Star Trek is Deep Space Nine. I noticed it immediately. <laughs> yeah, and I love DS Nine, but it doesn't mean if I see if 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 something doesn't catch my eye that I'm going to see it or or look for it. She's saying it's been just, there the whole time. I think we just haven't had enough like a, a Shaxx centric episode. He gets great one liners like Worf. You know, it's like if he betrays mm -hmm. me, I will yeah. kill him. You know, that that kind of thing. Mm. But uh, well, then again, Shaq's always like, can I destroy the warp core? Please, this time, can I destroy the warp core? <laughs> Don't talk to me. I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
one other uh, food reference that I was asking, of all the items that they could have replicated on the ship, why did, um, uh, did Mariner invite Tendi for tacos? Because it's the I mean, that, that just seems kind of pedestrian. I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not into Mexican food, so I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying it would have been something like a celebration dinner or something to, to, uh, to, um, uh, to, to, to rejoice over, some, some, some feast. I thought it would be something, uh, something a lot more exotic or, uh, um, or elaborate than that. Well, here's I'm the so thing. Oh, go ahead, Ashley, go ahead. I was going to say that maybe that's just something that has to do with the fact that everyone who wrote it lives in Southern California, but like celebrating with tacos is, is very big for LA people, and that's definitely where this was written, so. Yeah, and okay. you know, being the USS Cerritos, and obviously mm -hmm. um, we only have a few minutes here, so I want to get a couple of these points in, but like obviously if you're from, you're from Southern California, you know that like the reference to the San Clemente, it's another Southern California reference, right? So like, and everything, all the food on the Cerritos, you, you only see mm -hmm. tacos, taco salads, tostadas, you know, taco bowls, like anything that's like, you know, basically like really delicious to eat. And I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to pull a bomb ass burrito, you know, on <laughs> Because that's amazing. Or a sushi burrito. That would be the ultimate. <laughs> well, before you tell me that you're up against it, I figure that you're probably going to be up against it. I hope, I've, I hope I've managed to get most of my points in. I should point out this has been a very, very poor – it's been a horrible week for me. But oh, I'm sorry. Uh, more than once when this has happened in the past, and this is a perfect example today, when Mission Log is coming on and when I know I'm going to be uh, talking to you, to, to you guys, sometimes good things happen, and I found out that um, I'm on a callback for a major commercial, which I just found out this afternoon. And, and Ashley, mm. um, have you ever been cast for something that you don't remember auditioning for? Somebody asked me if I was free next week, and I said yes. And I can't remember what I did. It could be they could be casting off headshots and reels. It it sounds like that uh, that I auditioned like a month ago, which I guess maybe uh, the, the the takeaway from that is never give up. Sometimes no news is simply no news. So patience also, is a virtue and uh who knows what time uh, well, is anymore <laughs> welcome to the lou israel cliche festival 2020 and i hate to do this to you lou because i do i do um congratulate you on your callback and i hope that works out for you but uh we are coming in on time and i have to be that's fine the evil I got, I, overlord and give you the okay <laughs> <laughs> I'll, call, I'll, I'll, call, I'll call back next week. Hopefully, we'll have the tech running and uh, take care of both of you. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in, Lou. Good to hear from you. Well, I guess we won't be able to fit in our notes, Ashley. <laughs> I've worked so hard on my two notes. So. <laughs> <laughs> he says, having written the whole description and pretty much the rest of the show notes. <laughs> Well, maybe there's, a, maybe there's a format or a way where we can kind of like share these out. I would love for maybe to, we could use Twitter and uh, Ooh, just kind of like post that. some of these and, say, and, and get some conversation going post this show. But we really do have to wrap up. And it, it, parting is such sweet sorrow. Um, I don't think that's the Tempest, but it's definitely William Shakespeare of some kind, I think. <laughs> right? And, yes, I, I believe it's Hamlet. <laughs> oh, of course, Hamlet. I'm so not educated with Shakespeare. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But um, really, it, it was fantastic to, you know, to do this show with you again. It's always a pleasure. And um, you've been fantastic on this entire run of Lower Decks. And we have one more show to do for Lower Decks, episode 10. That's going to be happening next Monday, this time. So uh, before we go, Ashley, can you... Um, uh, let everyone know where they can get in touch with you and, and maybe you can share some of the notes that we haven't been able to talk about tonight with our listening crew. Heck yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley V Robinson. The V is very important because I don't want to fight a WN player for SEO. She is tall and strong and I am not... Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not who I want to have my first battle against. Okay. <laughs> uh, but you can follow me there. Uh, I probably will tweet out some of these notes and then maybe Norman and I will have a little chit chat about it and you can jump in there if you like. Send me cute pictures of Targs and cute pictures of Tendi. They make me so 
so happy. Targs and Tendi. That's good. This is my brand. Right? <laughs> Well, thanks everybody for showing up and listening to us. And thanks to you for all the callers, your, you know, your contributions to the show always make the show interesting. Now, if you'd like to uh, get in touch with me, you can always follow me on mission log, or you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or on Facebook at lounge lizard. That's L A O. It's my last name, lounge lizard. And I just want to let you all know that mission log is mission log live is produced by Roddenberry entertainment, executive producer, Rod Roddenberry technical production on mission log is done by the unbelievably talented Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log or Mission Log Live, but Women at Warp, Priority One, The Trek Files, and your daily Star Trek news, and Shabam! Shabam! Yes! That's Finally pro. figured it out. That's pro. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look over there at patreon.com slash mission log. And uh, some of the really cool items that you will have access to if you join us there would be early access to videos and our uh, once a month daily, or not once a month daily, once a month <laughs> group chat that we have for all of you. That's an exclusive to our Patreon subscribers. So thanks, everybody. And thanks who joined us live. Thanks who will join us later. Later and stay safe, stay healthy, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.